We're doing a podcast talking about reindeer games. Yes. Um, <laughs> John Frickenheimer's best movie. His last movie too. That cast last... though is is awesome, oh, right? It's a cast of of of, of character actors. Yeah, you got Gary and... Sinise, you got uh, Clarence Williams the third, Danny Trejo, Donald Logue, um, Charlie Theron, Ben Affleck. Who else is in that movie? Uh, um, 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 the for, guy from Mod for, Squad. Yeah, what's? Um, it's. I just said it today too. I forgot his name. Dennis Farina. Dennis Farina shows up. I was shocked by that. I just remember that. <laughs> I had never watched it all the way through. It's got everyone. That cast, it, that's it why it's so much fun. Because yeah. you're like, how did this turn out so shitty with this many Clarence talented Williams people? Clarence Williams Oh, I said him already. Yeah, okay. Good. He works yeah, with, uh, he worked a few times with Frankenheimer. Yeah, but he's great. He goes, they got a lot of cookies. He, <laughs> when he's eating the sugar cookies. Yeah. She got a lot of cookies. Frankenheimer calls him his good luck charm. Well, that wasn't a good luck on that one. No, but friend. I'm sure you had fun on set hanging out with him. That was a them. bomb and a half. A it, funeral home! Welcome to hell! <laughs> yeah. That's the clip we need. Oh, man. Okay, I'll write that down. Actually, write down also, um, uh, I'm going to uh, I'm gonna get you sucker. Clarence Thomas III. Or Clarence Williams. I can't fucking think of his name. But uh, he, when he plays the... He plays the black um, militant. He goes, "Well, I assume he was black, but thank you." Oh no, well, he's a militant. He's like, he's a he's one of the Black Panthers. It's hilarious. I thought the movement was a thousand man strong. What happened? They got government jobs. The brothers went in with guns. They came out with jobs. You know, I still oh, haven't no. seen that movie. It's fucking wonderful. I need to watch that, it. It's one of the greatest comedies of all time. What? Intro. So, so wonderful. Let's go Great. with. This is about a diary, a book. Let's do the cookbook again. Oh, no, that won't Patty work. Patty Duke looking hot as ever in this episode. All she right. had that MILF quality to her where she got the lines. You saw the lines in her lips of. She was an avid smoker. Did you see that developing line grow as she got into her 40s? You're traveling to another dimension, a dimension not only of sight and sound, but of mind. That's a signpost up ahead. Your next stop, dark territory. Bordering in Wonderlands, the Twilight Zone review. Good evening. A most cordial welcome to a display of canvases from what you might call the mausoleum school of art subject a common enough item utilized by teenagers and tycoons the daily journal in which we notate the happenings of our day-to-day existence but in this instance a unique periodical that doesn't record what was but rather predicts what will be its title the diary forehead looks like a cheese it's our initial offering in the night gallery Stamped out a lot of cigarettes on for it. Painting's okay, kind of high school looking. Yeah, that's fine. Hello, citizens. Welcome to the LAWS. Welcome to the 412 for Night Gallery 208A, The Diary. I'm Phoenix West. Dick. Judy Dickett. All right. So now we start getting into comparisons with our night because we're in the marathon episode two. We're doing one from each series. I, I like this episode. Yeah, no, it's well done. Patty Duke's great. She's very good in it. Yeah. She's just losing her mind, and it's just starting to get to her, and it's a nice setup and payoff with, like, she's a essentially 
basically a, a um, um, media sort of like Entertainment Tonight reporter, entertainment reporter who just bashes celebrities. And this old lady celebrity, she mocks and she stole her her husband from her, her younger husband. And she comes to the par- this party and she basically gives her a gift. It's a, it's a Christmas party. And the... It's it, it's a midget Christmas party. Midget and an That's Uncle right. Sam top hat. No, it's, it's it's a New Year's party. I'm sorry. It is a New Year's party. Because well, the midget's walking around with the sash, the New Year's sash, 1970. So it's 1969 to 1970. Ready? Heart Look at this Over fucking here. wild party. All right, Miss Grant. <laughs> oh, my God. But she gives her... The gift. I won't cut you off, but look at this. All I want to say is this wrapping paper is fucking disgusting. It is everything you hate about the night gallery in one package. Oh, it is the night gallery aesthetic. Sorry. Continue. Well, she gives you the, the the package as a diary, but it's a diary that has pre-written entries. Cliche, cliche, so, cliche. Yeah. So, I mean, this is like you know the diary <coughs> of the future, and it talks about suicide. And, so the old lady gives it to her, and then she falls out the window and dies. No. I had the same thought, because I thought she jumped out the window as well. She, oh, she's falling. And there's a line later where he get, she goes, okay. ran in front of the car. And I'm like, but she oh, was just okay. in the apartment. Why didn't she okay. jump out the window? Because like, you assume she jumped, because she's right there. Yeah. Yeah, sure. And then yeah, they I say that, and I'm like, okay, that's unnecessary, but okay. I think, yeah, you're right. I forgot about that. Because you know why? They didn't want to show, like, oh, there's blood splatter once you hit the pavement 40 stories above. Yeah, it'd be kind of like, oh, there'd be blood everywhere. You hit by a car, a little bit different. I guess, I guess I'm happy they did that because otherwise it would be very hard for me to add this to the collection of TZ Hates Windows because oh, there's no actual yeah. jump. So no, I, don't, no jump. I don't have to worry it's, about it now. It's not even a window. It's more like the patio. Yeah, I did some window. patios because, like, in a. Ah, that's forgivable. The, the Peter Falk, or, yeah, the Peter Falk one. Well, he, he falls. has to go through the window first, and then he goes through the ledge. The... He gets pushed out. But there's yeah, also one where she drops off the building. But it's kind of like windows and buildings, falls. Falls are really what it should be, but mostly geared around windows. There's no windows That's here. All right. That's all right. It's forgivable. Anyway. Um, yeah, I wrote Midget Party, Worst Wrapping Paper, Suicide. Day two, the diary predicts there's no phone. The phone's out of order. She breaks her phone because she comes home from work early because she's mad, and um, she wants to fire the, the the guard out front because she he let the actress in to give her the diary in the first place, and she's like, "You're lucky I don't send you on the bread line, more. I'm gonna cast you aside like my son Samwise Gamgee." <laughs> she was pregnant with him during this episode. Ooh, so so Sean Astin has uh, this is his first credited appearance. Yeah, it's a night gallery episode. It's true. Which uh, that, is funny. It's just one thing I noticed in IMDb trivia. It's your Sam! So Samwise, who I don't even... Like, when I think of him, I don't think of Lord of the Rings until, like, four four titles deep. Well, you got Goonies, you got... Uh, Rudy. Stranger, Stranger Things, Rudy. Um, Stranger Things. I actually think of, uh, as much as I don't really care for the movie, but Fifty First Dates, I think Lucas? of before Lord of the Rings. Is Lucas? Was he a Lucas? What's Lucas? Is he Lucas? That's the 80s movie where like he hires, I think, um, Anthony Michael Hall to be a bodyguard. Or 
Chris Lance, Michael Hall, Lucas, and he hires Matt Dillon to be his bodyguard. I can't remember. There's the I movie with know. him and Corey Haim, License to Drive. Is that Sean Astin? I'm pretty sure it is. I haven't or seen that, that movie I since that it came Corey out. Haim and Corey Feldman. Um, we got to, okay. Well, let's double check the Sean Astin. I'm looking up License to Drive. Uh, Corey Haim, Corey Feldman. I thought Sean Astin was in that too. Sean Astin. Nope. He's got the Lord <laughs> of the Rings movies. That's the first thing. His dad still have, alive. Um, yeah, and he, and that his uh, he has a good relationship with his father, even though it's not his biological father. But he even said he didn't care. Uh, he'd raise him as his own son, and that was very nice. By all accounts and everything I've seen, he seems like a really good guy, John Aston. Yeah, and, and even Sean Aston said, "You know what? I got to know my my biological father, and my my uh, John. Uh, I consider him my biological father." But my spiritual father is John Aston. So he says, like, I have two fathers. I'm very lucky. And even Patty Duke, though, toward the end of her life, was even saying, that is not his father. Sean Aston's his biological father. And she just wouldn't let it go. Yeah. And even the paternity test wasn't enough to be like, well, actually, science says otherwise. <laughs> Sorry, Patty. Sorry, Patty. Your depression is just not going to subside here. Encino Man was one of the other ones I think of before Lord of the Rings. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I, I can't think of it right now, but... Yeah, and then you got um, Corey Feldman, Ascension Millennium. Oh, God, 20, he was in that. 20, 2013. Uh, I'm trying to get before. Um, let's get before fucking Lord of the Rings here. All right, I'm going to close out He's my Sean a lot. Guy. He's done a lot of stuff post Lord of the Rings. I like Sean Astin. Huh. He works. Good for him. He works a lot. Yeah, uh, this, ep- this episode has a 7.2 in IMDb. And this well, is where I want to. Have... This is where I want to pause because think yeah. about this is part A of a four episode story, so, and this is our last one. We're done with episode two hundred eight. Huzzah! It's diary, the diary, and then a matter of semantics, the Dracula one with Caesar Romero, which yep. fucking sucked. Yes. And then big surprise with uh, John Carradine, if you remember that one. Where the kids oh, yeah. dig the grave, and then he's yep, like, surprise. Yep. And that's it. Yep. Sucked. And then the last one is Professor Peabody's last lecture with Carl Reiner and the Cthulhu st- stuff. Remember that one? Right. We did yeah, it recently. Yeah. Fucking yeah, sucked. And somehow this is a 7.2. It's all because of this one episode. So Sean Aston movie that I know him best from is Toy Soldiers. Yeah. 1991. I know that one. And then you forgot Memphis Bell. He was in Memphis Bell. I don't remember Memphis Bell. It's the World War II movie. Never seen it. But he really didn't. Like, yeah, he... Please don't hit me, Mom. Is his first, <laughs> his first uh, credit here. 1981 TV movie. It's just Patty Duke hitting him. Actually, you know what? It might be Patty Duke. Yes, it is. It's Patty Duke. <laughs> oh, God, it's legit. It checks out. Yeah, it checks out. My jokes are becoming reality. <laughs> Patty, dude, you're not my son. <laughs> it's just her in a drunken rage. <laughs> it was taken from real life. John Aston's just sitting in the corner. <laughs> I'm Gomez Adams. I'm Gomez Adams. Me and more. Everybody loved it. I'm not Mexican, but whatever. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Gomez. 
He was also the oh, John Aston. I love him in Frighteners. Oh, he's great. For, forget he's in that, don't you? Oh no, yeah, he's in a ton. He's you just the, forget. You take him for granted. He was in Batman. Yeah. Uh, he's he's the Riddler in Batman. He's the other Riddler in Batman. You forget that it's Frank Gorshin, and then it was John Aston, which they don't have his character, his action figure out yet. I wonder what the deal is there. They got a number of Frank Gorshin Riddler figures, but they don't got a John Aston Riddler figure yet. Yeah. Hint, hint at what your box is. I don't have any. Uh... Yeah, all my Riddler hint, stuff. Hint. <laughs> okay. <laughs> she Good goes comment. to a psychiatrist, her therapist, and she's, he suggests that she's a subconscious clairvoyant. That she's <laughs> predicting the future and subconsciously writing it down and not He's realizing a quack. it. He's a fucking quack. She's cr- he's crazier than she is. Exactly, yes. He's the reason why she's in the mental institution at the end of the movie, at the end of the episode, probably. Yeah. He's pretty much, I think he did it on purpose, and he made her intentionally go crazy because he was a big fan of that celebrity, of that actress that got hit by a car. He did, he was there when the, the third day appeared and it was a, Jed's going to die, or Jeb, or whatever his name is, right, is yeah, going to die. Yeah, she, she sees him, yeah. Or she, he comes to see her. He's like, you got to stop this. I'm going to smoke a cigarette now. And he's like, it's my fault. Uh, I, I called him, and he was rushing out to come here, and he died. And Sorry about I'm that. Sorry about that. Uh, uh, I'm going to have a cigarette now. How about I lock 19, you up? It's 1970. I can lock you up because you're a woman. Yeah. And it's that time of the month, yeah. so got to lock you up. Sorry. But it was basically she, she puts herself away, though, because that's what he says at the end. He goes, she's been a patient here for five years. So now the ending of this episode... She basically never writes that last day yeah. until she gets to write that last day. But she's been doing that every night for the last five years. Is that what's supposed to be the... the yeah, she's been living out that life? last day for five years. She like refuses right. to move on from that day. So she just, in her head, yeah. it's always going to be January 4th. Yeah. Yeah. And she's been locked away in this in this cell, this padded cell for five years. They do a good enough job with the reveal where... It's not to the very end where he's like, "Look, you're new here. Just hand me the pen. It's fine." She's been here for five right, years. Yeah, and I'm like, "Oh, well, yeah. interesting." Yeah, you have to have that 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 uh, the audience understand getting cued in on what's happening. Oh, right, you're new. Oh, well, let me explain to you what's been happening for the last five yeah. years. But it also makes sense. Like, it's not forced yeah. or anything. No, it's pretty. It's pretty uh, fluid. It's fine. You mentioned something with her lips. I just it just looks like she has a mustache to me. No, in some, I would say in the beginning of the episode, when she's all in her dress and dolled up with makeup, you can kind of see lines in her lips. They have a close-up of like her face, and her her lips are very much, like, you can tell she's a smoker. From the back of your neck. Oh, there you go. <laughs> she just she's smoking right <laughs> as there. As she pulls exactly. a cigarette up. Ah, bitch. I, I'm going to have a cigarette right now. I'm going to enjoy my with my Chesterfields. Go jump in front of a car, you twat. Ah! I will say this. I'm not that familiar with Patty Duke. Um, I know a little bit. Yeah. Miracle Worker, very, very good movie. She, I think, won the Oscar for it. Valley of the Dolls. Valley of the Dolls, which she did not win the Oscar for. And that's about where my knowledge ends, honestly. Return to the Valley of the Dolls was written by Roger Ebert. And it's porn. <laughs> Basically a porno with <laughs> Sharon Tate. Yeah. Someone's in it. No, Sharon takes to the first one. Oh, she, I, Beyond yeah. the Valley of Dolls is just like it's a bunch just, of nobodies. It's like rated X. It's like, yeah, it's supposed to be like, ooh, titillating. Yeah. 
Watch them do barbiturates. Only movie he ever wrote and then reviewed movies after that. Like, you, <laughs> fuck you. That's usually how it works out. But I, like I was Gaw. watching Patty Duke, and sometimes I'm like, I don't, I don't get the appeal. And then some, some shots, I'm like, okay, yeah, she, it's working for me. Yeah, no, it's, it's yeah, she got that MILF quality. It's like a MILF It goes back and forth. Yeah, I think you have to see something when she's younger. Like I said, I think she's in that show, the Patty Duke show. Yeah. In the 50s, she was like younger. She was like that cute little bubbly, you know, sexy thing. Like, just, uh, to quote Mickey Rooney, sexy thing. It's like she never got rid of her 50s, like that be- beehive hairdo. Yeah, no. Yeah. I think mostly what she's known for. But I liked her in this episode. She was really good. Yeah. And then at the end, Very I was good. like, oh, God, okay. <laughs> Doesn't it's move dark, on. Yeah, it's a dark episode. The dark ending. It's pretty It's pretty good. It's a good twisty ending. Effective. And then it, it's followed up by Cesar Romero getting a blood loan from the bank. Blood bank. And then John Carradine coming out of a hole in the ground to scare some kids for some reason. And then Carl Reiner turning into a swamp monster. Yeah. Turns into Swamp Thing and... Scare some Talk kids. Talk about your lackluster additions to this anthology episode. It's like this one's <sighs> solid. I, I give this one, this particular story, I give it a seven. Yeah, I would agree. But overall, I'm giving the episode a four because of the four yeah. stories. Like it, it those Jack other Laird. ones drag it down a lot. Two words, Jack Laird. Oh, it's terrible. I want to take out the loan. <laughs> Yeah, because Jack Laird wrote. Oh, he didn't write write Big Surprise. Okay, that's surprising. That's a Richard Matheson one. Wow, that's surprising. I could see that being a better short story than a, than how it is, though. You know, it's just so bland and stupid. They dig a hole and then they find him. You're like, ah. Again, this is like when we were watching these. We're like, the Night Gallery is not really a show with stories. It's more like little anecdotes. Right. Oh, here's this. All right, we're moving on now. It's like, okay. okay. What's on this side of the of the gallery? <laughs> What's over here? Here's Dracula or some shit. Like Knight, Rod Serling's like a variety show, but he doesn't put any effort into, into it. And poor Rod Serling is sucking down five cigarettes at the same time. Kill me. Oh, yeah. Kill me. Faster. I don't want to live in this world anymore. I can't do this anymore. Just get me the fuck out of here, man. Come on. Jesus, I'm checking out because he died. Literally, he died, what, two years after the show was over? Like, <coughs> not long after the show, he it, died. It went off the air in 73. He died in 75. Yeah, I mean, shit. This show took a toll on him, I think, and really fucked him up. I don't blame Like, I, I understand it. I th- Well, I think he did it for money because I think he figured, you know what? I know I'm in poor health. Something's not right. I got to make my nut to save my family. We're going to retain, but I think he sold the rights to Twilight Zone, didn't he? Or did they keep those? Uh, I assume they did because it went to Carolyn. Well, did it? Uh, And Serling. She's not a producer on the Twilight Zone 85 episode. Yeah, she is. Is No, not 85. No, in 2019 she is. We got 2019, but not not 2002 or 85. So I wonder if they sold it, sold the rights maybe in the 80s. And that's why the show came back in the 80s. And then she got the rights back because, you know, that's 20 years they didn't do anything with it. So that she might have gotten the rights reverted back to her. Because, you know, every, anytime somebody buys the rights, it's only like a, a couple of years they own them. So back after they canceled the series, he 
Sterling sold the rights to Twilight Zone to CBS. There you go. That's what happened. Um, yeah. So I guess she doesn't own anything. She's just brought on as a producer. She's just. I think it's like one of those, like friendly. Oh, we're gonna give you a bone. We're gonna throw you a bone here. Because they're using her husband's work, because they they re they readapted his screenplays. Yeah, and it's good to be on the good side of her. Cause she could just say no. The estate can just and she should she should have said no, but especially for the last hey, I'm, he's dead. It's money. It's yeah. money, and I'm sure she's not on her way out too. I mean, she's got to be eighty something years old. Probably for no, the she's dead children. now. No, it's for the daughter. The daughter was the, the daughter's producer. alive. Yep. Daughter was the producer. That's right. Yep. Yeah. That's who it was. So the daughter probably was the one who was in TV and actively pursued maybe getting twice. So are we done with the 20th century? There's stuff you can look at. I will never buy her. I want to buy like the the Blu-rays for the 2019 Twilight Zone just so I can have the complete collection. Sure. Yeah. But they're so fucking expensive for what they are that I'll never do it. Are they really? Are they? Are they? You can buy them. You can buy DVDs for cheap, but I don't want DVDs. Like I keep holding out for Blu-rays, and it's just. I'm like, uh, it's not going to happen. I got lucky with the 2002 DVDs. That was c- complete luck. It was just like a quarter of the price one day. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> Bought it like within a second. Because now what, it's like $5,000? Well, it's it's like 80 bucks, 90 bucks, and I found it for 20 Oh, you can't beat that. And I was like, oh, God. Like, I thought it was a mistake, so I just hurried up and bought it. And then, yeah, it arrived, and they work. Like, I feel like all the all the two thousand the eighty five Twilight Zones are on YouTube. I feel like those are all available. You can just plug in, type in YouTube, and they'll pop up. Yeah, I still want to own the collections though, so I can have yeah. my Twilight Zone collection. Well, sure, yeah. The only sense. thing I don't have is the Lost Classics from ninety four, the movie I have on Laserdisc, but not on not on Blu ray wow. or DVD. Yeah, yeah. And I don't have the twenty nineteen series, and that's it. Last well, note sucks about the Twilight Zone. A movie, they'll never do a special edition Blu-ray. Like, there's never going to be this. Like, nobody from the from the making of that movie is going to come out and talk about it because no. of the whole Vic Moreau thing. It's like, well, we were making this movie. <laughs> we were laughing, having a good time. And then, uh, three people were decapitated. Really and then we sat on it for about three years, and uh, <laughs> yeah, for made, for no reason at all. Almost went to prison. Let's, let's not even get into it. It's not even worth talking about. Um, almost went to prison. Yeah, and then uh, came out of Change Man and. I made the stupids. Yeah. The rest is history. I, awful, I awful history. Okay. I directed the stupids. Yes, okay. Come on. <laughs> Come at me with he, your knives. He, I feel like you want to change the subject to the stupids so you don't have to talk about what happened. In, I in, directed Innocent Blood. In, in Twilight Zone. Innocent Blood's the, the, a good movie. But Vic Mo- Okay. Let's talk about the stupids. How was working with uh, Tom, Arnold. Tom Arnold? What was that like? Did he did he supply his own hats and and just, bow tie? Just <laughs> what, what does a reporter have to ask him about the stupids? I hate my son. <laughs> that's it. Remember, uh, uh, oh, that's another one you get. Tony Soprano in the Sopranos when he tells Melfi, "I hate my son." I love that 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 line is so great. Yeah, the way he delivers it. That's a good one. I'm in the middle of uh, season four right now, rewatching Sopranos. Kind of going back and forth between three and four. Toggling. Which season no. is the Joey Pants one? Is that four? He's in three and four. But four is like the. I think he dies big, yeah. in 
five. Oh, I thought he died in four. No, he might die in four. He dies in four. He's in, yeah, he's in, I want to say he's, yeah, he's in season three. Because Richie's, yeah. Richie April's is season three stuff, right? See, no, Richie April's season two? season two. Season two, yeah. And then Steve Buscemi is season five, because he shows up in season five. He's a replacement for Joey Pants, basically. Yeah. That's what happened there, yeah. I love how uneventful his death is. Yeah, just <laughs> shut, blowing his <laughs> On shotgun. the porch. On the porch. <laughs> Tony! <laughs> oh, did you see that? It was Gabagool Day. <laughs> There's a meme going around where it's all Gabagool. Oh, no. It's, it's Gabagool, Happy Gabagool Day. It's all from The Sopranos. Give me some of that Gabagool! I did say that word 10,000 times yeah, I, when I was watching it. Then Big ZD. Tony Soprano says Big ZD. The whole train? I would say 62 times over the... Some over frozen the, ZD in the fridge. It's just nonstop. They even dropped trays of it. Yeah, you just ate half an hour ago. You again? You want me to get a vasectomy when this is my loin? This is this is my offspring. Town eight. Oh, night gallery. I. How do you compare this to the Twilight Zone? One of those classic episodes of the Twilight Zone. Which one's winning so far? What do you mean, like... Uh, we're, at the end of the night, we're going to have a ranking here. Of, serve Man? Versus yeah. Serve what man? do you think was better? Oh, I think Serve Man. Uh, yeah. They both have twist endings, but just Serve Man edges it out because it is older, so it's more in, entwined in the culture, whereas The Diary is just... I think his Night Gallery is kind of a forgotten show anyway. Nobody ever talks about it. Nobody really discusses it. No one really cares. And I feel like you know nobody remembers Patty Duke, so I think she's gonna she's gonna lose out against To Serve Man. I'm just sorry. It's gonna well, I gave To Serve Man an eight. I gave this a, a seven. So yeah, this one does time. have lulls, but it doesn't have that punch that The Serve Man has. And right, yeah, and a lot of, a lot of it's in the black and white quality and just the simple nature of the of the original series. And this yep. is this one does have a midget dresses Uncle Sam though with well, New Year's Day sash. Well, not it's, it's supposed to be uh, uh, with the, the newborn baby, the changing of the year. What do you call it? Father time. It's not father time. It's baby time. Baby time. But it's a dwarf. It's a miniature man, which is like even more offensive. Yeah. I'm fast forwarding through this episode, and it is just like a, a timeline of garbage after this. Oh yeah, you get to see Caesar Romero as a vampire, and Carl Reiner as a swamp beast swamp thing you get to see this look at this face Cthulhu Sean Bob Afan Afan yeah he's just repeating Cthulhu. gibberish he can't even speak the words either he's off the pronunciation's off alright we're done right good night everybody uh this uh, yeah it's TZ 59 wins, obviously. So, until next time, in the meantime, I'm Phoenix West. Dick, dick, dick. There's no outro. That's what I was going to play, but there is none. So, I guess no, we're just no, done. Yeah. Bye-bye. You play, you play the outro of uh, Carl Reiner. I could have, but I closed it. Done!